Is it is this one of those things where they're smooching and you think it's one thing, but then they they separate and in between them is a fish person? Hello and welcome to Love at First Screening's special series, Rom-Com Road Trip, where we take you on a winding journey to find the best love and laughter as we create a rom-com plot of our own. So grab your favorite snack. Like a huge block of cheese that you just bite hunks off of it as you go. Or a chocolate pudding cup. Either way, hurry. We've got a few friends to pick up. I call shotgun. You can drive. Buckle up. Buckle up. up. We didn't even come close to that one, I don't think. No, I think that was pretty close. Oh, nice. Okay, okay. We'll see how it sounds in post. Maybe I'll I'll line it up perfectly so it sounds like we really got it. I'm looking at the audio right now, and where we said buckle up, it looks very freaking close to lining. That's incredible. Well, Chelsea, I think this is this this is our last trip for this season. Am I right? This is our last trip before the holidays, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Before we get to stuffing stockings and going down chimneys? Yeah, sure. (laughs) We're going to take a sleigh ride. It'll certainly slay, if you know what I mean. I just went to Pride, so I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, as, as we're recording this, I am recovering from far too much physical exertion what i i like to be as sedentary as a rock deep in a riverbed but this past week these past few days honestly has just been an accumulation of like 10 hours of yard work and a 5k not that i run those god Running's for losers. I walk it and also drink booze. And then I went to Pride and basically walked another 5K, but like a gay 5K. So, so it was great. You were walking pretty fast. Oh my God, so freaking fast. Uh, my little legs could not keep up. The gays love to power walk. They really do. Oh my God. But here I am in the flesh, just so sore every part of me hurts unlike you whose finger we're gonna have to amputate before this episode is over yeah i think i have a a splinter in my thumb and i have been poking at it for the last 30 minutes and to no avail so i don't actually know if there's anything in there or if i'm just aggravating my sore thumb that got stuck with a a little sticker I pulled off my shoe earlier. Well, the way I see it, you have another thumb, so we can be prepared to lose this one. We have a backup. Unless you insist on keeping both. <laughs> I would like to keep both if I can manage it. Also, I think you'll feel real horrible if you made that joke and then I actually do lose my thumb. Oh my god, I would. <laughs> Be like, yeah, one time I got a splinter in my finger in my thumb. Madison made a joke about having to cut it off. And the very next week, what do you know? Uh, so. Well, literally all I could think of was about a TV show that I won't name because SAG-AFTRA, unfortunately, <laughs> is still on strike. 
as of recording this because the AMPTP just sucks for no reason. Like, they're just losing money. Just just negotiate with the people, okay? Uh, and But anyway, all I could think of was the uh, what I'll call the gay pirate show, and those who know, know. And one of the characters gets a splinter, and he does lose his thumb. So that's all I've been thinking about for the last... <laughs> Ugh. Chelsea, I'm really excited that you brought up gay pirates. Oh my god. Because No, Madison, you <laughs> didn't. I did. Just for you. Oh my god. That's my favorite category. I know. And I know that you love enemies to lovers. So I decided oh to bring it all together. I don't even know what to say. I'm so excited. <laughs> Gay pirates? A rom-com? What? I know. Enemies to lovers? It's bringing your favorite things and my favorite things together. Did Christmas come early? Yes, this is actually an early Christmas episode. Surprise! (laughs) Oh my god. Oh, Oh well, we'll get to it. I was about to say, if it's not too soon, I'll just jump right in. So I do, I decided... um, it should be sapphic for your taste. Thank you. Thank you. I need an A name and a D name. Annabelle. Okay. And Dana. Okay. So, so far, um, I've also uh, gone ahead and named the other two like primary characters that we see in this plot line only because one of them is actually a real person. I just went on and googled famous pirates and then picked the one that I wanted and then I made up another pirate and um, gave her her own backstory. So here we go. It seems that Annabelle and Dana have always been at odds coming from two families that loathe one another. From school competitions to cruel practical jokes, they've always been set on one-upping one another to come out on top. Thus, when they are on the shortlist to become one of the most notorious pirates' right hand, that pirate is Bonnie Betty, who got her name after smiling so prettily at her hostages before she slits their throat, they know this is their chance to beat one another once and for all. All they have to do is find the mythical treasure of Amaro Pargo, a Spanish Robin Hood of sorts who often gave his plunders to the poor. However, they are not the only two given the opportunity to do this. There are four other people vying for the chance to take to the high seas with Bonnie Betty, and they are all as cutthroat for the position. When... The group is instructed to pair off to narrow down the pool. So they're all in, there's two people in, you know, three total groups. Annabelle and Dana begrudgingly agree that it would actually be better to stay with the devil you know than risk being paired with a stranger. After all, it's easier to trust your distrust of someone when you know how they think and act rather than sinking into constant paranoia. Thus, they set off towards the Caribbean in search of the lost gold and jewels. However, before they get there, they are blown off course to an island not found on any map. With their ship wrecked in a strange place, they do what anyone would 
and immediately begin finding ways to blame one another rather than securing shelter or food or a clean source of water. (laughs) Instead, they just start pointing fingers. In a rage, Annabelle stomps off down the beach to get space from Dana, leaving Dana to stare at the wrecked ship and wonder what she was going to do now. You see, Dana had not joined the quest to beat Annabelle once and for all. Well, she did, but that's not the only reason. She also joined because the money she would make from all of her pillaging and plundering would support her family after the recent passing of her father. As she continues to stare at the boat and wonder how to fix this mess, she feels someone come up behind her. She whirls around to launch into another tirade at Annabelle and instead finds a Spanish man standing a few feet away with his hands up in a placating motion like she was a wild animal that might just bite him if he steps closer. To be fair, she probably would. He introduces himself as none other than Amaro Pargo and asks if the storm had brought anyone else with her. Stunned because this dude should be like super fucking dead. It's been over 150 years since his ship went down and he mysteriously disappeared with his whole crew. She confirms that she and Dana had been blown towards the island in a freak storm searching for his lost treasure, but they will be on his way on their way if he can just help them get off the island. Like, look, we don't want any trouble. We'll get the fuck out of here. How are you going to steal a pirate, a dead pirate's treasure when um, he's not dead? Hi, this is Madison from the future breaking in. Uh, just to let you know that at this point, I do somehow manage to switch our characters. So up to this point, we have been under the assumption that Dana is speaking to Amaro. Um, and I flipped that, having fun. And now Annabelle is. So if you could just roll with it instead of having me try to go back and edit all of that first part. Okay, thanks. Love you. However, realizing that there's another person, Amaro urges Annabelle to go back to his camp where his crew and the indigenous people of the island have lived in harmony since they crashed upon the shores some years ago is how he describes it. Uh, I want to point this out. I'm not introducing gross colonization into the story and assume that there would be an indigenous group there, but like they're all super copacetic because no one's trying to colonize the other. That's it. Not that you could, not that an indigenous group could, you know what I mean? Okay. Figuring she has few other options, she follows Amaro to find Dana enjoying an ale with the crew around a card table. How had Dana not only already found this group, but become friends enough that they're sharing their ale and playing cards with her. And what the fuck was her angle? Was she trying to cut Annabelle out of not only the treasure and the position with Bonnie Betty, but getting off this damn island at all? So she flies into a blind rage. She rushes over and grabs Dana by the collar to ask just all of these questions that are popping up in her head when Amaro steps in and tells them that he and his crew will help them leave and will be happy to send them with the treasure since he has no need for it. Because as it turns out, the island is magic and it selects those it allows to come into its borders. 
Here, sickness doesn't pass through the borders, and time is a very loose concept. They sort of age, but at very, very, very slow rate. And some of the crew have left over the years to return to their original reality, kind of deciding that, you know, this super nice island is great, but maybe they just want to go back to the life that they had. And the prospect of living for hundreds of years is kind of terrifying um, to some people. And then others have left and returned with their family. What they need, the island provides, as long as it is not to harm um, or to the detriment of the island. The island has also never been conquered by colonizers because it will not allow those with ill intent in their heart to find it, even if they had been there before. So, like, if someone gets there, realizes everything, leaves to come back and, you know, plunder it, steal its magic, whatever, they won't be able to find it again. This feels at odds with the fact that it let Annabelle and Dana in, despite Despite them looking for treasure to join the crew of one of the most feared pirates currently sailing the seas. So they know that, you know, maybe maybe there's something. They kind of come to the realization, both of them, Annabelle, you know, she knows she's there to help her family more than anything. And it turns out that Dana kind of had the same idea Because while her parents aren't dead, they are ailing. You know, they're getting older. They're not going to be able to support themselves much longer. And she's their only kid. So she's going to also have the role of taking care of them um, in her eyes. So they both basically set out for the same reason. But they mutually don't know that. So they figure that both of them have to have some ulterior motive for the position, but they don't yet know. And they also know that both of them can't win this. That's not how it's going to work. So they have to figure out a way to cut the other out, but they also can't act in ill intention if they want to get what they need. Madison, this story is off to a great start, but I do have some wild magic for you. Perfect. You must include a creature that the people of the story would call a mermaid. So it might, it doesn't have to be the mermaid of pop culture, but it has Mm -hmm. to be some kind of creature that like in this universe, they would mistake for a mermaid or that the tales of it, pun intended, would... (laughs) would morph and become like what we call a mermaid or it could just be a mermaid it's up to you but i'm giving you creative license this is great okay you can okay you know i've got this perfect okay they both kind of realize you know we cannot move into this with malice or else the magic of the island will figure it out And, you know, who knows what could happen. They could get just far enough offshore that their boat sinks, they're lost with it, and the treasure is gone. And all of this is for naught if they end up, you know, moving into this with ill intent. Amaro is like, look, my crew will be happy to help you repair your ship, will be happy to send you on your way, 
but it's going to take some time. So you need to be chill with that. And this community here, you know, it's sort of a, it's, it's a give and take. Nothing is tracked, you know, because the island provides, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to act in a community spirit. So while you're here, help out while you can. And they're like, yep, totally get that. Will do. Annabelle's initial approach is like, the only way I'm going to be able to do this is if I just steer clear of Dana. Because I can't guarantee that I'm not going to want to find a live volcano on this island and push her into it. Because Annabelle never actually really had a problem with Dana in school. It always looked like they were both these mutual rivals that absolutely hated each other for this long-standing family feud that neither of them really actually know what it was about. They just know they're supposed to hate each other. But Annabelle always thought that was kind of stupid, but Dana was always an asshole to her. So she just kind of went with it. So she figures the best way to get this over with is to steer clear, get involved with the rest of the crew and the indigenous group there, help out where she can, cook, do whatever, and, you know, help repair the boat where she can, etc. And then they can be gone because you can't have negative thoughts or negative feelings about someone when you don't think about them at all. Dana, on the other hand, is like, look, the only way that we're going to make sure that we pull all of this off the way we need to is if we talk this out and hatch a plan together, because it doesn't seem like there's going to be a way that they can both get this position, but maybe they can figure out a way for one of them, hopefully Annabelle, to just make off with some of the treasure, you know, just enough to get her by, I mean, and and again, Dana doesn't know that Annabelle is doing this for her mom and for the rest of her family. You know, we'll just basically pay Annabelle off. Honestly, how much of a, does she really even want to be a pirate? Is she even, does she even have like the mental fortitude to, you know, plunder and slay like Dana does? So she decides that she is not going to rest until she and Annabelle have worked all of this out. So you obviously see the issue here. If you are Annabelle, or if you are Dana, what is going to try to be the first step in you executing these separate plans? I don't know. I think the easiest thing would be for Annabelle to put on a mustache and a funky hat and go undercover. That way Dana can't figure out where she is at any time. Um, and for Dana, I think the easiest way would just be to um, find a way to lock themselves in a hut. Until everything is hashed out. Mm. And then she'll bring out a secret axe and chop down the door. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Both of these options are completely sound, minus the need for door repairs. Sort of 
neither of these happen. One, because fake mustaches are actually really hard to come by on the island, even though the island provides, you know, apparently it doesn't provide adhesive mustaches. Instead, what ends up happening is Amaro sees that there is this tension and this competition between the two women and decide, you know what, why don't I orchestrate it to where they both have to deal with shit. So he tells them that they have to go and get this special sap from the very top of the tallest point of the island from this specific kind of tree that only grows up there because it is the only thing on the island that will be able to help bind the planks together successfully and waterproof it so they can get back. This is a three-day journey. Amaro's like, look, I would I would give you um, one of the islanders as a guide, like one of my crew or um, one of the other folks who were already here. You know, I, I would get them to be your guide. But unfortunately, you know, with us being down a few hands repairing your boat, that's that's just not going to work. But here's a map. And here are the tools that you'll need to tap this tree. Um, here's the incantation that you'll need to say, have fun. So now they are on this nature walk for three days to go get this fancy sap. And Annabelle tries her best to stick with the, I'm ignoring you. You don't exist. If I don't think about you, then the island won't strike me with lightning for being here with ill intent against you. And meanwhile, Dana is doing what like little kids do when they want to get their mother's attention of mom, 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 mom. And she's like, hey, Annabelle, do you remember that time that I glued your hair up completely straight after you hung your head over the top of the bunk bed and it stuck out like a mohawk um but then you actually had to shave it down into a pixie cut because the glue wouldn't come out and annabelle doesn't respond hey annabelle do you remember that time that um for some reason a lot of her stories involve glue now that I'm thinking about it, you know, like, do you remember the time that I glued your tennis shoe or your, um, you know, your good boots to the ceiling of the dormitory? Uh, do you remember that time that we locked you outside on the roof and you had to sleep in the rain? Stuff like that. You know, all of these things that made Annabelle's childhood kind of a living hell. And Dana's just trying to get a reaction out of her and she's not budging and she's not budging and she's not budging until finally she just fucking snaps. And she's like, yes, I remember all of the times that you made me feel like shit. Is that what you wanted to hear? And Dana's like, like you didn't give it back to me and starts listing all of the things that Annabelle did in response and all the things that Annabelle did unprompted back to Dana. Annabelle goes, I never even had a problem with you. I don't even know why our families were fighting. This is all so fucking stupid and I wish you would go away. I don't understand why every time I am trying to do something, you are there to make my life hell. And Dana kind of stops because 
obviously these two these two women are enemies. They have always been opposed their entire lives. But for Dana, it was always kind of fun. Obviously, she didn't enjoy all the shit that Annabelle did to her. And she did feel bad about some of the shit that she did to Annabelle right back. But it was a game. Mm-hmm. But now they're doing something serious. They both have stakes in this. And it's not really fun for Dana anymore. And she realizes that maybe it was never fun for Annabelle like she thought it was. And so Dana kind of stops and is quiet for a long time. And she asks Annabelle, she goes, you really don't know why we always fought? And Annabelle was like, no, I literally don't even remember the story about why our families were into it to begin with. It was always just there. You know, it's sort of like when you, obviously this wouldn't apply to the characters because I'm assuming this is set in like the 1800s, but it's sort of like when you grow up in a family that quotes movies a lot and there's this movie quote that's always floating around in a regular vernacular and you know it's a movie quote, but you don't actually really remember what movie it was even from. It's just part of your internal lingo. That's sort of how it how this is where they don't really know the lore or Annabelle doesn't at least and so Annabelle's like no I don't fucking know but I do know that regardless of it we will never be okay because you made life a living hell for me and Dana goes you know I don't think I know either I just kind of went along with it because that's what kids do you know we have our families have our own lore and mythologies and it just gets passed down and the understanding gets diluted until it's just something that has always been and will always be and Dana stops again and she's like but I thought it was fun you know I thought it was fun for both of us I thought that this was a game you know And Annabelle was like, well, it wasn't a game for me. I was literally just trying to fucking survive and get you off of my back. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do now. But you won't leave me alone. And I can't have any ill intent towards you or else this plan will never work. So I just need to not think about you. And Dana responds, I don't think I've ever not thought about you. If you are Annabelle, what do you even, how do you respond to this? Because you clearly have to work together. I feel like I need to unpack that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I, like I've just expressed that I've spent my entire life trying to evade the attention of this person because it was very negative and and now this person has sort of alluded to the fact that like maybe something else was going on or it's like so much stranger than I than I could have imagined so I think I think I want information I think I want Dana to explain 
So unfortunately, Dana is definitely not going to explain um, because that would require her to express far more emotion than she is willing to express. And they have finally made it to the top of the mountain where they do find this like weird magic looking tree. It's its bark is really pretty, sort of like, you know, like a, a white birch is like, you know, the really pretty white bark. It sort of has that, but it also kind of looks like a palm tree. It's really weird looking. Weird tree. Got it. Yeah. And when they tap it, this really sticky blue sap comes out. They bottle it up because apparently a little goes a long way so they only need like two bottles of it they're good to go and they start their trek back down and it's at that point that amaro catches up with them so now he's come they're like halfway down he's come up halfway so now they're all walking together and he was like you know um i i hope you enjoyed your journey and that you were able to um spend some time with one another it looks like maybe that was needed and annabelle's kind of internally fuming because this is not at all what she wanted she's more confused now than when she started she's still again the stakes for her in this are too high to get distracted by dana dana's over there like fuck i said too much and i just want to suck it all back in and undo And they're kind of able to do this because now they're focusing on helping them repair the ship. Um, They're doing little community jobs on the island with everyone else. So for the most part, at this point, they're kind of able to stay away from one another until the night before they're supposed to set off. And they're all gathered around this fire. And Amaro looks at them and he goes, look, I need you guys to have resolved whatever is going on before you set off tomorrow. I don't know why you need this treasure because they never told him like the full truth of it. They just said that they were looking for it. He said, I don't know why you need this treasure. And I don't know what your conflict is with one another. But what you need to understand is that the waters will not be safe for you to leave if you do not resolve this because after you leave the island and you are past its shores to the point of a potential degree of danger there are these creatures that are half person half fish and dana pipes up and it's like mermaids he goes not like what you may be thinking they have razor sharp talons sharp teeth and are absolutely bloodthirsty they can tear apart your ship and they can tear apart you they are people who try to get back to the island but had malice in their heart and the island sunk them before they could get back and transformed them into protectors of the island if you leave with that ill intent 
or if you try to, these creatures will tear you apart before you can get out, but it will not, they will not let you get back to shore because you would endanger the island. And so Dana's like, look, I have no ill intent towards Annabelle. And that's, that's the truth. Dana really doesn't, again, this is a competition. Dana has stakes in it, but she doesn't want anything bad to happen to Annabelle. She just wants to beat her. She wants to win. But what she doesn't really know is that in beating Annabelle, you know, this would end up causing her tremendous harm because she wouldn't be able to provide for her family. And besides, she has this plan that she wants to talk to Annabelle about where, you know, she'll just take some of the treasure. How would Bonnie Betty ever know? You know, and it'd be it'd be fine. They'd all get back. They'd be able to beat the other pirate, the other potential pirates. It'd be fine. Annabelle, on the other hand, still kind of wants to strangle Dana because Dana is standing in the way of providing for her family is standing in the way of her future and tormented her for so long how could she not have anything but negative feelings towards her she spent so much time thinking about dana and how dana always gets the better of her dana always wins And she's so tired and she just wants to be the one that wins. But she knows that if she steps on that boat, that shit could go real sideways real fast. And so Amaro and the rest of the crew leave them around the fire. And they're like, look, everything's loaded up on the ship. All you have to do is get on it. Just make sure you know what you're doing when you do. And Annabelle looks at Dana And she just tells her the truth. She says, look, I don't think you know this, but my dad died a few months ago. I need this to be able to support my mom. You know, this is this is bigger than me and it is bigger than you and it is bigger than us. And Dana's like, look, I understand that I'm basically trying to do the same thing. You know, my my dad is too old to work anymore like he used to um he's a fisherman and there's just there's just not work for him anymore with what he's able to do same thing for her mom you know she's not really able to provide much dana goes how about this you know you you have younger siblings that will be able to help provide as well once they get older why don't i give you enough of this treasure Betty will never know. And you can go on your way. Why don't they just both take half of the treasure and provide for their families and just never go back to see Betty ever again? How would Betty ever know that they even found the treasure? Because at least from the lore that I've gathered from this story, the island where the treasure was wouldn't allow anyone that was... Like, the reason they were able to find the treasure in the first place is because they weren't seeking it to better, like, themselves, nor were they seeking it in order to gain favor with the world's most notorious and bloodthirsty pirate. Like, the competition to become Bonnie Betty's right hand 
was the means through which they were able to end like find the treasure but the only reason they found it is because that's not in their hearts what they actually wanted to do with the treasure what they actually wanted the treasure for was to provide for their families so it's not as if bonnie betty can confirm that they found the treasure Uh. like i just no okay all right Go ahead. Uh, but she can because she made sure to know the situation of everyone involved, like their finances and the reason why they're trying to join the swashbuckling life, etc. Because she wanted to make sure that if it was found, they wouldn't fuck her over. But how will she, if they just disappear, like Bonnie Benny has to, I assume, stay reasonably at sea because she's a pirate. I, I mean, I don't know all of the rules of this universe, but I would assume that pirates are not super welcome in polite society. And so therefore, if they just get back to wherever it is that they live with their families and give them the gold, how will Bonnie Bennett ever be able to touch them or or they give it to their families and then they run away and smooch like on a (laughs) like i don't know chelsea don't spoil the ending (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) so our our conflict is getting off the island okay okay sorry no you're good (laughs) i'm jumping ahead (laughs) just like well Okay, go ahead. You're just like, bone! <laughs> and so Annabelle's like, okay, well, why don't you take that deal? And, you know, I get to, like, why, why don't you take your deal of you get some of this treasure and then I bring the rest back to Bonnie Betty and become her right hand. Like, why I, like you said, I have younger siblings that I don't want them to have to fend for themselves or fend for the rest of us if I can continue to rack up money through pillaging and plundering. Well, wait, I have another question, and I apologize if I missed the answer to this earlier, but why are they in teams in the first place? Or as follow-up to that question is, if only one of them can be the right hand, then how would that be determined? Like, if they found the treasure they were supposed to find, oh my god, were they going to have to kill their partner? Oh, that's juicy. That's juicy, Madison. They're yeah, not you, gonna because they're in love. Exactly. And no one <laughs> no one could see this, but I was nodding. Um, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, that's the whole, that's the supposed premise. That's the assumed premise. That's what everyone thinks is likely going to happen. Annabelle's like, well, why don't you take the deal? And you just take some of the treasure and then I go be a pirate. Like, I, I don't get it. You have, you have less to gain than i do in this situation because you have less to lose and dana's like that's not fair you know i i don't understand why and she's like i'm literally just presenting your plan back to you and so at this point they're both pissed off and dana's like why don't we just split it why don't we just take half and all of this goes away? And she's like, but what if Betty finds out that we have well, how this? How is Betty going to know? Insert know. She's omniscient. How are they going to know? They'll never know. How <laughs> They'll are they never gonna know. know. They're going to know. 
Nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna know. They're gonna know. How would they know? Annabelle's like, how do I know that you're not just going to fuck me over and completely cut me out of this? Because that's what you've always done. You've never been on my side. You have never done something that is to the benefit of anyone but yourself. And Dana's like, like you said, I have less to lose and less to gain. Why can't you just fucking trust me? And Annabelle's like, why would I ever trust you? And Dana screams, because I love you. you." idiot. Exactly. (laughs) And Annabelle's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, I thought maybe what happened on the mountain could have been some kind of declaration, but um, (laughs) this kind of, this kind of does uh, seal that deal, huh? She's like, if you love me, then you'll take your own deal. And Dana goes, why can't we just split this and go on our own ways? And then you never have to see me again, if that's what you really want. But she wants to see her. I'm confused. How is Annabelle this dumb? She's real dumb, dude. She's so dumb. Like, you you just, you're in love with each other. I Like, I that was just established. I Annabelle's like, okay, Dana says she loves me and is proposing I take half. Maybe I just need to let this go. Maybe we can. And then she's thinking like, well, shit. What if instead of all of this, I can just come back to the island when it's all said and done? You know, the island provides I can just bring my family back here. Maybe the island will let us all in and that'll be it. And so she goes, fine, I will see you in the morning. We will leave and everything will be fine. And so the next morning they wake up and Annabelle is still kind of pissed because she still doesn't quite know what to make of the night before. You know, she gets this huge declaration of love from Dana, who has kind of been her mortal enemy her entire fucking life. And this makes no sense to her. And does she love Dana back? Has she been dealing with all of this? You know, she could have, she could have fucked off and gone somewhere else. She could have found a way to stay out of Dana's orbit. And she let herself continue to be pulled in why and she also it's not like she was always acting you know in retribution of what dana had done she started stuff too you know this wasn't one-sided annabelle was just as involved as dana was this entire time and she's like why did i do that why did i stay in this well duh it's because they love each other stupid so they get on And Dana's like, so we agree. We'll just go halvesies on the treasure and we can move our families so Betty won't find us and it'll be like we just disappeared and we're lost at sea. She's like, fine. They start to go out and they hear this weird scratching. Like this weird kind of creaking as the boat is sailing out. After they've kind of gotten to the point that they wouldn't really be able to get to shore. And Dana turns to Annabelle and she's like, I thought we resolved everything. And Annabelle's like, I just don't understand why I still feel like I'm losing 
to you. I can't get over how angry I feel at you. And I don't want you to win. And the scratching and the creaking and the sounds are just getting louder and louder. And they know what it is. They know that it's these evil, creepy mermaid things. Because Annabelle still pissed at Dana. And Dana's like, what the fuck do you mean? You're going to kill us both because you can't get over the idea that maybe me winning doesn't mean that you lose. Why can't we both just have this? We both came here with the same goal. I don't understand why you can't let this go. And Annabelle's like, I don't know what to do to let this go. And all the while, you just hear this, like, nails against wood kind of scratching, scraping sound. And it's getting closer and closer as these things are, like, scaling the side of the ship. And it's getting really intense and kind of spooky and kind of scary. And Dana says, why can't you... Just let me show you something. Why can't you let me be right and say that we can both win and I'm not taking anything from you? And Annabelle's like, maybe I want to take something from you. And in that moment, they smooch. Okay, that's not where I thought that was going, only because there are fish people attacking so I definitely thought they were going to be interrupted by a fish person. Well, they're not. Is it? Is this one of those things where they're smooching and you think it's one thing, but then they, they separate and in between them is a fish person and it's a, a fish person jump scare. <laughs> and the audience is like, oh, shit. Like, we went from romance to horror in zero to 60. You know what I mean? No. No, okay. my, my thoughts was... I'm not trying to usurp your vision. I no, just... I just... Honestly, this is a very loose vision. My idea was that essentially they were going to smooch and the mer people would fall away. Why? Because... Annabelle will have kind of let go of this animosity in this moment to kind of access what she really wanted. She she wanted the upper hand on Dana. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I feel like you're uh-huh. not sold. I well, I'm trying to remember what you said about the fish peeper earlier and whether or not this fits in they, the lore. They just they they try to take you down if you have ill intent as you are leaving the island. And it doesn't necessarily have to be ill intent towards the island. It can be with the people that you're with. It's basically just if you carry malice within you. Mm-hmm. So they're so they're malice maids. Yes. That's actually perfect. That's exactly what they are. Hmm. Interesting. I yeah. I don't know. Here's the thing. I I I think maybe you've set it up correctly, but I think I just I I want I want to see a fish person. Do you want to have a battle scene? I Madison. The whole point. My love of 
gay pirates has to do also with swords. Well, I like, and there have been there has been nary a sword in this story. Well, there's there's gonna be a sword, but we can have them fight the mer people too. I would like them to. I would like them to fight the fish people. Okay, then we can do the jump scare thing that you want, where they're like they're like smooching, great, oh and then God. their faces. It's very move cinematic. Apart. Yeah, yeah, their faces move apart, and then there's like this creepy like. I'm imagining thing. the the malice maids as like modeled after angler fish. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. All right. So. Dana's like, you seriously couldn't have gotten, you know, they, she's, she's drawn her sword. Uh, Annabelle's drawn her sword as well. They are currently battling these malice maids. Uh, and Dana's yelling at Annabelle, like, you couldn't have gotten this out of the fucking way before we left. Seriously? And Annabelle's like, I'm sorry. Uh, you make it very difficult to discuss my feelings about you because you have to always be right. And Dana's like, I don't always have to be right. I just happen to always be right. And Annabelle's like, do you see? Do you see why we're getting attacked by evil mermaids right now? Do you understand that this is your fault? Because I cannot get over how shitty of a person you are. And Dana's like, if I was so shitty of a person, then why were we just making out two seconds ago while she's like, you know, putting a sword through like with a squelching noise? I can help uh, them with this. You see, sometimes pretty people aren't great. Um, it's kind of like in one, my first college English course, we were sitting Sorry to just break into the story. No, I love this. In my first college English course, there was this guy named Paul, and he kind of looked like Tyler Hecklin. Like, that's probably the closest I can get. He's a very attractive man, this Paul. And he had he had these, like, honey golden colored eyes. They were very... And, like, look, the certain werewolf show that Tyler Hecklin was on was very popular at the time. And so... Paul was just gorgeous and me and uh, two of my other friends that were in this class were always talking about how attractive Paul was because he was. He was a very good looking man. Uh, And then we had a murder mystery party and Paul said he was coming but never showed up. And after that, me and my one friend were like, he's dead to us. And my other friend was like, yeah, totally. He's dead to us. But then Paul walks into class the morning like the next time we have class after the murder mystery party that he did not attend and didn't like tell us he wouldn't be coming and then we were short a person, right? And also it was delightfully Italian themed and like Ugh. like the 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 priest was Father Linguini. Like it was very funny, okay? Anyway, but so the he Paul walks into class and my one friend, he just he melts immediately and it's like, "Hi, Paul." And Ugh. we were like, you suck yep we get that he's good looking but like he's dead to us where is your conviction (laughs) anyway so you have the backbone of a chocolate eclair (laughs) you have the moral backbone of a chocolate anyway so yeah my point is you can hate someone and still think they're attracted and lose all of your self-respect Exactly. Not if you're me. I I hold strong to my to my uh, principles, but certain friends were swayed by the werewolf looking gentleman. 
It's always the werewolves. It's always the hairy guys. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Um, so yeah, so they're, they're fighting, uh, these malice maids and are also fighting verbally with one another. And Dana is sticking to her guns. Like, dude, I'm not taking anything away from you. You're gaining just as much as I am. I don't understand why you decided to risk both of our lives to these creepy sea creature people because you're pissed off about stuff that happened years ago. Just get the fuck over it. Annabelle's like, do you know how long I have tried to get over you? And Dana's like, why do you have to? Because I don't want to get over you. I'd like to get under you. Exactly. <laughs> I'd like to get under you. And Annabelle's, she just kind of stops. She has a, a, a mer person, you know, through, wait, her sword through a mer person. And she just kind of stops and turns. She goes, how would it work? We don't even know how to be nice to each other. And Dana's like, I'd like to give it a shot. This is great. I imagine the, the energy for this scene is very, oh my God. See, I, you know what? I'm mad at the AMPTP for all of the correct reasons. And at the bottom of those list of reasons, which is like, you should be paying these people a fair wage and treating them correctly. And, you know, you should not be greedy billionaires with 18 yachts per square foot of your home mansions that are over 8,000 square feet. Because fun fact, a mansion is anything over 8,000 square feet. Anyway, but at the bottom of those list of very legitimate reasons, I'm mad because I want to talk, reference things, and I have to stop myself. And there's a very particular, there's a very famous pirate movie franchise and that very famous pirate movie franchise has a has a scene where two characters are like getting married in the middle of a sword fight and it's like comical it's like comical relief in the middle of the drama and that is the vibe i imagine for this scene they are professing their love and trying to figure out how it's going to work but like high stakes are happening they're battling malice maids which I can only assume follow Magic the Gathering rules where anything with malice needs two blockers. So they both have to stab the malice maid with their swords. I think I, I feel like that's how you have to kill a malice maid. I, I don't know. Uh, we can ask my magic uh, expert later to confirm. Um, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, if we could just get a clip of him right here, just like confirm. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just record him going, yes, or <laughs> maybe, sort of. <laughs> that could be correct. <laughs> could be correct. It's like high stakes emotions meets actual high stakes of the high seas. Exactly. It's very high. Everybody's high in this moment. <laughs> it was actually in this moment that, you know, when Dana says, I'd like to try. That you can see a shift in Annabelle's demeanor, and then suddenly all of these mer people who all these malice maids who were coming to attack them um suddenly explode in like this gross green kelpie kind of goo. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's really gross. It probably smells like you know, like 
not a good ocean smell, but like a gross ocean smell. That's what I imagine it smells like too. And it's because they've they've come to a consensus that maybe there doesn't have to be winners and there doesn't have to be losers. And it's simply okay. They can just be okay with one another. So after they scrub themselves off and scrub the deck, because again, there's malice made goo literally fucking everywhere. They chart their journey back home with their plan to just keep what they have and ditch their potential lives of pirating, etc. And they're almost home when a very, very large pirate ship is coming closer and closer and closer to their ship. And then they see the flag raise. And it is Bonnie Betty's ship. What does Bonnie Betty's flag look like? That's a great question, Chelsea. I would love for you to answer that. Oh, I can create it? She doesn't have like a famous flag like other famous pirates? Nope. You can Mm. make this up. Okay. So I'm imagining that it is a skull but instead of crossbones or swords that go behind it it looks like the sword is going through the top of the skull Ooh! and then there is like a drop of blood coming off like so there's a drop coming off the end end of the of the sword nice i like it yeah yeah. Perfect. And and the and the the skull is not just its teeth, it's like somehow the corners of the mouth, despite mm-hmm. it being a skull, it's it's we're taking some artistic liberties, is grinning. Mm-hmm. Like a Cheshire cat, you know what I mean? Yeah, because that's what she's known for. It's her pretty, exactly. pretty smile. I think that's a pretty spooky flag. I think so, too. And I think we need someone to make this reality for us. Um, I'll get in touch with some folks and be like, hey, do you want to make this flag for us so we can post it on our Instagram? And maybe put it on merch in two years from when you're listening to this. So... They know that they're kind of fucked because they have this treasure. They assume that the result of them being boarded by Betty is that they're about to, one, lose the treasure. And they believe the stakes are now that they have this and she's going to know and she's going to take it. And one of them is going to be her right hand that they're one of them is going to have to kill the other one. And um, they've kind of decided to be in love now. So this really complicates things. And Dana turns to Annabelle and she goes, no matter what, I hope you know that I could never lay a hand on you in harm. Not and not in that way. <laughs> yeah, in harm ever again. I, no matter what happens, I give you permission to do what you have to do to me if it's what you need. I, I won't fight you. I won't challenge you. This isn't a competition. You take what you need. 
And Annabelle's like, I can't kill you. I've just decided I love you. And Dana's like, I know that you emotional motion sickness you know what i mean oh you know you know what it's actually really funny that you say that hold on (laughs) hold on hold on i have to show you my ass can you see it oh (laughs) look at that (laughs) i'm wearing phoebe bridger sweatpants incredible i genuinely thought you were about to pull down your sweatpants (laughs) and show me a tattoo that you did like I didn't know that you had on and my ass. Then, <laughs> hey, I love you, you want so to much. Immortalize <laughs> your love for Phoebe Bridgers on your ass. Then honestly, that's between you and your tattoo artist. I so. I, I love you very much. I don't think I could ever show you my ass uh, in a literal sense. I show it to you metaphorically all the time by being a fuck up. But um, <laughs> but Annabelle's like, look. I can't fucking kill you. And Dana's like, I can't fucking kill you. It's now to the point that they are about to be boarded. And they look at one another and it's like, look, neither of us is going to kill the other. So if we go down, we go down together. They get boarded on strides. Bonnie Betty with her signature bright red lips and razor sharp smile that looks absolutely lethal she's armed to the teeth and i like to picture that she has like like a really fierce accent like maybe a scottish accent honestly maybe like a south african accent okay i don't know we're rocking and rolling with it anyway she has a really cool fucking accent and she's like ladies did you find what I asked for? The other groups have either not come back or come back in shame, hat in hand, with nothing. Annabelle and Dana kind of look at each other like, fuck, do we lie? Will she know we're lying? And before she can say, before either of them can say anything, the men that boarded with Bonnie Betty pull forth the chests of all of the treasure from Amaro. And she's like, I can't believe it. You actually found it. Now we just have to figure out which one of you will stay. And Dana steps forward and says, Annabelle can stay. I'll just go. Take her with you. If you, if she wishes to go, I'll go back home. And Annabelle is like, no, no, no. Same deal, but switch. Like, just let me go. Dana can go and just just let me go on my way. And Betty's like, mm, that's not quite how this works. I admire your loyalty to one another. And loyalty will come in very handy uh, when one of you is sailing with me. But right now, it only serves to get in your way. So draw your swords and make this quick or I'll just kill you both and make it easy. And it's at this time that suddenly there is a loud ruckus because Betty's ship, unbeknownst to them because they weren't paying attention, is also being boarded by another pirate ship with a flag that they had only read of in books, in pamphlets, in stories. It is the flag of a Maro Pargo. 
Amaro just felt in his bones that these two women were probably going to need a little bit more help and gathered his crew for one final venture into piracy to slay Bonnie Betty and her crew in order to bring more peace to the seas because like I said before, Amaro was basically a Robin Hood. He was plundering and pillaging to give back to the poor. Bonnie is here to just be violent and make money. She's sort of like fuck bitches get money mindset. So with Amaro and his crew's help, and obviously Dana and Annabelle leap into action as soon as they see the ruckus that is occurring. They jump into the fray and are all fighting together until finally either all of her crew are slain or thrown overboard and are just paddling around trying to stay afloat. And they have Betty cornered with Dana behind her with a dagger to her throat and Annabelle in front of her with a sword to her stomach. And Betty's like, look, 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 we can work this out can't we? Either I can go or we can all join ranks together. Don't you see that this is the real test? The real test was seeing how you would stand up to me and you passed. You passed with flying colors. Clearly we can make this work. And Annabelle looks at Dana and Dana looks at Annabelle and Dana's like, do you want to do the honors or shall I? Annabelle's like, I think we both know in our hearts that we were actually never going to be very good pirates because I don't really want to kill people and I don't actually really want to steal a bunch of stuff. I just want to provide for my family, maybe. Dana's like, okay, but we have to do something with her. And Amaro's like, look, how about this? We will sail back to the island with her in tow. And once we get close enough to the borders of the island, we'll just see if she can swim. And if she's really as pure of heart as she wants to present herself as and pretend this was all just one big test and that, you know, she's really a great person, she'll make it to the island just fine. Or maybe she'll get ripped apart by malice mates. We'll see. It's up to her. And they're like, all right, bet. Means her murder isn't on our our hands. And so then they see Amaro off with Bonnie Betty in tow and they take the treasure back home and they live happily ever after. The end. Madison, I think that you forgot to uh, finish the story. Um, (laughs) So two things. Yeah. I, I love that's exactly where I was taking it with uh, Bonnie Betty. Give her to the malice maids. Maybe she becomes a malice maid. Ooh, you hot know. girl shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, except that I think that, what's his name? Amoro Pargo. Pargo. I think Amoro Pargo, they're, you know, he and his crew are going to go back to the island because that's where they, they want to be. I think that while Annabelle and Dana never wanted to be the bloodthirsty kind of pirate that maybe they should be robin hood pirates they take up the helm of amaro 
Pargo. And they should fly his flag. Like, they should continue his legacy by flying his flag with some tweaks to the design. What What does his flag look like? I don't know. You tell me. Oh, okay. Uh, well, the, I thought these people were real people. I thought maybe we knew what their flags looked like. We can make one up, Madison. Yeah, we'll make one if, up. If I don't think it, I don't think he's well enough known that people are like, ah, yes, that is the flag of Amoro Pargo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So his flag is a full body skeleton that is crushing a crown. Ooh. And then fall then from where like it's clear that he's crushing a crown but then from the bottom of his little skeleton hands falls coins at the feet of like a bunch of other skeletons yes like like reaching up yeah okay cool 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 we also need someone to design that for us um great i love this so yeah so they take up the mantle and so they go they they give the the treasure to their families but then they decide that they're going to go back out to the sea because they can be together and smooch a lot but also you know steal from the rich to give to the poor which is like what the world needs um mm-hmm. and 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 that's just like super that's like fun you can't make them not pirates at the end of this story, Madison. That's not how you end a pirate story. They should be pirates. No, I agree. You're correct. I really didn't know what direction I wanted to take it in after the big battle scene. Um, So, perfect. They end up being these Robin Hood type pirates uh, flying under a slightly altered flag of Amaro Parco. And they end up, they end up adopting a ship cat. I love it. I know. Maybe their flag can be two skeletons crushing the crown (gasps) instead of just one. What if it's like the skeletons, but like their heads are facing each other. So it looks like they're smooching and then their hands are like mutually crushing a crown. So like they're smooching, but Mm -hmm. also like crushing the monarchy and also capitalism. I love it. Thank you. So yeah, that's um, that's it. That's your enemies to lovers pirate romance. I I am still just so delighted that there was <laughs> gay pirates. Like this is my this is my gay pirates. That's like all I want to read, all I want to watch. I know I've said it on this podcast before. I I love it. That is that is the genre that I just want to be firmly in at any and all times. And you have gifted that to me. And I have never felt like as close of friends as we are <laughs> in this moment. I love it so I, much. I have never feel, felt so seen. <laughs> like, it's like I knew that that's what I wanted, but like I just never in a million years would have guessed that's what you were going to tell me today. And so I am ugh, delight. Delighted is not even doesn't even begin to describe how I'm feeling. I that was wonderful. Well, um, I assumed when you said you wanted an enemies to lovers romance that you meant gay pirates. Like to me, those things are synonymous in a perfect great. world. Great. Yeah. Because I'm so often um, really bummed when I read an enemies to lover 
story and it's not gay pirates it's just some other crap you know? I know I'm just like where are the gay pirates especially if there's just no pirates at all yeah honestly anytime I I consume media with no pirates I I'm not really sure why I did that you know it's not super fulfilling yeah it's not pirates is oof. I, we love it we love pirates we love gay pirates we love sword fights and knives those are those are our interests and by if, ours I mean mine <laughs> If, if I were to trust anyone with something super sharp, it would be you. It would not Thank be you. me. <laughs> Madison, I really can't contain myself. I have created a, a really great cast for this. I'm so excited. I'd like to share it with you. Okay. I am okay. ready when you are. All right. Annabelle mm-hmm. will be played by Gugu Mabtha I don't know who that is. Hold on. Marissa is very disappointed in you. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I just, I didn't know her name. Okay. I know her work. Okay. I promise I know her work. I just didn't know her name. All right. So Annabelle, Gugu Mabthara, Dana, Jodie Comer. You know I love Jodie Comer and I would do anything to have Jodie Comer in a gay pirate rom-com. It's all I've ever wanted. It's all I've ever wanted. Okay. Okay. Amoro Pargo. Mm-hmm. Miguel Angel Silvestre may have butchered his name. Oh. Yes. Why does he kind of look like if you if Bradley Cooper was actually as hot as people think he is? <laughs> like that's okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Bonnie, Betty, Kate Blanchett. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I almost said earlier when I was editing the ending, I almost went, because Kate Blanchett can do this. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yes. So- okay. And then, and then, now, there are two things I want to happen with the Malice Maids. Okay. I need one of the prominent ones to be played by Doug Jones because famous character actor in a million things that I can't name at the moment because of the strike, but just Google his work. He has played, you you will never have recognized him. He was in one of my favorite television shows in one of the most famous episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, fuck, that's right. Oh, oh. I know. This guy creeps me he out so would, much, he's perfect. He would do excellent things. But I want the other prominent one, Stanley Tucci. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. This is perfect, honestly. Tucci is a, as a malice mate. I feel like he'd really enjoy it. I think I think he would, too. I also think that we need to have one of them be played by um, Andy Circus. I feel like that's fair because he also is so well known for his motion capture roles that he do it very well and very creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yes. um, also Tilda Swinton. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I feel like she would really bring a whole lot to elevate the terror of that role. All right. 
So we just have we have a a pod mm-hmm. of malice maids. Yeah, that we've cast. This is perfect to me. I think this is the perfect movie. And I want the like end credit scene to be slowly sinking beneath the surface. We see some malice maids kind of like fly in front of the camera and then we zoom in and it's going to be on a a dead or seemingly dead uh, Bonnie Betty. Mm-hmm. And then her eyes open and they're going to look like whatever the Malice Maid's eyes look like. And then she smiles. But now her smile is impossibly sharp like an anglerfish. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She's going to have like the like these milky, slightly blue, bulging, glowing eyes and these like razor sharp anglerfish teeth. Oh, that's so creepy and perfect. I love it. Thank you. Thank that's you. perfect. So did. Is this a is this a rom com? It has like some kind of creepy and some really dramatic moments. But is this like a romantic I think, comedy? Okay, let's go through our checklist. Okay, number one do do they date? I think yeah. Like there's definitely moments in which we see them opening up. I don't know if it's a like really a getting to know you in the way that you would think of a date, but I do feel like there is emotional connection happening between the two characters and they're like coming to the realization that they have feelings for each other so i think i think it passes like pass fail i think it passes i'm Mm -hmm. not saying it's the strongest development of romance that you've ever seen i think too we can stretch it out a bit more in a sort of like sailing montage after they leave um but again that wouldn't really be shown that would have to be shown more visually than anything else yeah okay so then did we laugh um yes because there's gonna be the antagonism there's gonna be dana annoying poking annabelle trying to get her attention it's also gonna be dana somehow having found a moral Pargo's crew before Annabelle found oh, Amoro and just so like good. sitting down and having a pint with them with her feet up on the table. You know what I mean? Shooting that kind the of shit. Vibe. They already have inside jokes. Exactly. Also, when they have the sword fight with the Malice Maids, uh, so funny. It's going to be like confessing their feelings, trying to figure it out while also very much in a sword fight, which is like the juxtaposition of that is peak comedy um (laughs) so i definitely feel like yes i think there's comedy and i think the comedy is what melds like adheres the romance part of the story to like the drama part of the story Mm -hmm. it's the middleman that allows you to connect those two and not have this be a really weighty movie yeah it it very much feels like an adventure rom-com which 10 out of 10 love it. So I w- I think it passes for comedy. I think that's really important to the story. And then finally uh is love in the driver's seat or is our romantic love what's propelling the story forward? This is where so many of our our things fail. I my gut instinct is to say no because I feel as if 
See, this is where I think you and I sometimes struggle because I think we often are focused very much on the motivations of the characters, but a character's motivation is not necessarily what, like every individual character has motives for being in a story or like, or within the story. But I also think that the story itself has some stuff brewing that's like moving the story along. And I think these two characters being able to come together, settle their differences and are it's because they're able to do that, that that they can accomplish what they set out to do, which is to provide for their families and like find this treasure and successfully get the treasure from the island back to Bonnie Betty. I think, yes, it passes. Like, I, I think that the romance is integral. I think mm-hmm. you can see the setup for it the whole time. And I think while they're figuring it out, the emotional connection, like, that's what's continuing. The, like, that their relationship is evolving, but it's also their relationship has real stakes for what will happen in the story due to the fact that, uh, you know, the how the Malice Maids function and, and the magic of the island like the supernatural paranormal elements of the story kind of require that in order for them to accomplish their goal, they will need to at the very least get along like, but, but they do that through uh, developing a romance or, or admitting to the fact that they have feelings for each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that ultimately the goals of the characters and the goals of the plot itself would not have been met had the romance not evolved in the way that it did very well put so you 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 made us a rom-com madison made you a rom-com and a swashbuckling one at that with with there okay my one note is that there could be more sword fights and knives throughout the story just because that's my preference no i understand i understand we'll 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 try to um in in edits with our um with our writing our writing group and our focus groups who are analyzing the script and everything like that to see if it'll get picked up um we'll we'll make sure to get their read on where more sword fights can be placed so then i guess our next question is how badly do we want this to be a movie well, Chelsea, um, we have options. We can either go with one. You know, we've already got plans to rewatch something we've already seen 17 times all the way through all, you know, million seasons. Uh, we could pirate it, which would be very funny for this option. Uh, we could pay money to stream it. We could just kind of get to it in theaters when it happens or we can um bust down the doors and reenact swashbuckling scenes uh while it's already going on madison i think it will come as no surprise when i tell you that i am going opening day i will be the first one in line i'm camping out for the midnight showing i'm wearing a pirate hat at a bare minimum iconic are you going I've made to... little miniatures of the flags that I can wave. <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna plunder the concession stand and steal Absolutely. whatever you want? You should, honestly. It's a, seems only appropriate. It's a it's a scam to spend that much money. And I will I will take those concessions and I will distribute them among my audience uh friends. And that's called mutual aid. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Perfect. I think that I will I will go with you. 
I will also dress up and hope that maybe um, one of these delectable actors that you have presented to us will make an appearance so that I can, you know, steal their heart and also maybe their wallet. Mm. Yeah. I'm in it for both love and money. <laughs> well, Madison, that what a went out with a bang. Thank you. Which could be a cannon pun. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I guess you could say that we had a real blast. Yeah. That that we did. Oh. So next time we're in the lovely laughter's ears, it will be with a couple of holiday episodes in which we, you know, take them on a jaunty little sleigh ride or whatever. Is there something specific you want to guide my holiday romance? Yes, thank you. There is. I would like for you to have um, sort of a climactic moment in the story occur while the characters are snowed in at a cabin. Okay. Great. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. I will see, I will see what we can do with that. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for letting me um tell you this pirate tale. And um please know that if it turns out that Amaro Pargo is nothing like the three sentences that I read on uh Google that this is a fictionalized version. So <laughs> I didn't do any real research. Jeez, what do you guys expect? I mean, truth be told, I don't I don't think we know a whole lot about lots of famous pirates because they were there's just not a lot of documentation and a lot of it has been exaggerated and is myth. Yeah, we're working with a lot of hyperbolic oral tradition when it comes there. Mm-hmm. So But yeah, I'm excited to see who you snow in. Great. All right. Well, I hope that you still have your thumb next time we speak. I hope so, too. Otherwise, this is going to be real awkward. (laughs) Thank you, Madison, for this incredible tale. It was truly a gift to me. I hope that the Lasters feel like it was a gift to them. They can, of course, provide feedback by emailing us at loveitforscreening at gmail.com. They can also slide into our DMs on Instagram at Love at First Screening. Let us know your thoughts on pirates and how many sword fights would you have liked there to be in this tale? Yeah, we currently only have two. So what is the ideal number? What is the ideal number of sword fights in a pirate rom-com? To quote a movie that I won't name, the limit does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) uh brought to you by our executive producer tina fey who knew she liked pirates so much don't want tina fey to executive produce this yeah no i agree i think actually um if i had to choose an executive producer it would be may martin uh they would be perfect for this so all i want is may martin in a pirate movie now oh my god We can have them as like the, we can have them as Amaro uh, Pargo's right hand. 
Oh my god, I love it. Yeah. I love it. We've created a character for them. <laughs> Specifically for them. <laughs> I don't know if you listen, if you've been listening to Handsome, the new podcast that they do with Tignataro and Fortune Feimster. No. If no one is listening to Handsome yet, go it's delightful. It's it's May Martin, Fortune Feimster, and Tignataro, and it's just very silly. And then a celebrity asks them a question that they all answer, and then you get to hear the celebrity answer the question. People like Lance Bass, Elliot Page have asked questions. So yeah, it's like really, really fun. But on one episode, Tig mentions that she's offer only. And May is like, I would love to be offer offer only. And so here you go, May. We're offering you a role in this sapphic pirate rom-com in which you will play Amaro Pargo's right hand. Oh my god. And I think it's the perfect role for you. So please contact us. Yeah, you can reach us. My f- personal phone number is 7. <laughs> it's just 7. Madison got one of the the earlier phone numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I, I, seven. It's just 7. <laughs> I feel like if I give my area code, then people will be able to narrow it down. Not necessarily because I have an area code but I don't live in that area anymore. I haven't for some time. Oh, that's true. That's good. Okay. My number is <laughs> seven. <laughs> I want you to cut it. that so you just say seven again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or just like beep it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. All right, Chelsea. Um, well, we'll get in contact with May Martin. There's no way they turn this down. So I'm so excited to see where this leads us. Maybe once uh, the sag after strike is over, we can begin this project in earnest. Yeah. Along with making every other episode of this season come true. Yeah, I feel like in one of our bonus episodes, like the second or the last bonus episode, uh, we're going to have to walk down memory lane. Like, what's what's the best rom-com we've created? We really will, um, which means I need to re-listen to all of these and take notes. I actually, yeah, I'm like struggling to remember any rom-com except for this one. So <laughs> I think see, the pirates have eclipsed just the rest of See, any other season. ones that I remember are all yours. I don't remember any of mine because they haven't mattered until this moment. So <laughs> yeah, you really were like, I gotta, I gotta step up the game. I gotta go Step out with my game. Yeah. Yeah. As a 4th of July I know. baby, I can't. I'll just one. give Chelsea exactly what she's always wanted. <laughs> and how can she dislike it? Exactly. You get me. I I, I like to uh pander to my audience. <laughs> my audience of one, which is you. And in doing so, plunder their heart. Aww. That sounds kind of weird. <laughs> It does sound very weird. <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys want to plunder our hearts, you know where to reach us. Um, again, my phone number is seven. <laughs> it's just <laughs> All right. Thank you again for joining us. This has been Love at First Screening, our special series rom-com road trip, which only has two very special holiday trips left before we get to our Final bonus episode, which will be a Alexis Hall book club double feature. Their novels 
boyfriend material and its sequel husband material. So if you still haven't read those and you'd like to go on ahead and, and do that, support your local library, make them order gay shit for you. I think that's what Annabelle and Dana would want. So it's true. Again, our message that we always want you to take away is make your local library order gay shit. It's, it's our only mission. Yeah. So, until next time. Pirates! Sword fights! <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> <laughs>